people tell me, well, I don't believe in a guy in the sky who sees when I'm sleeping and knows when I'm awake. I'm like, that's Santa Claus, first of all. <laughs> but I don't believe in a guy in the sky either. I think that 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 concept kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah. But to somebody who says, well, I have no concept of God, I go, that's fine. But do you love your kids? You mm. know, when you hear your favorite song, do you want to get up and dance? Are you inspired by truth and beauty and justice? Well, guess what? You believe in something bigger than yourself. I don't uh, care what you call it. Yeah. You don't have to call it anything. But yeah. the most important things of your life are things you can't prove with an equation. Uh, you know, when you fall in love with somebody and all your friends go, why do you love them? And you can't explain it. Mm -hmm. You know, like what I always say is if you were a robot, the fact that you like your favorite song would be a glitch. <laughs> and yet, you know, think about it because you can't account for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet it's one of the most important things about you. Mm -hmm. Everything that's noble and true and honorable is beyond material, beyond logic, beyond an equation, beyond chemistry. And when you start to work on those things and ask those questions, life gets really interesting because those are the things that can't be replaced with an algorithm. Not my real mom. I am your mother. Oh, I'm your mama, baby. Oh, wait. as I say, are we recording yes, already? We are. Oh, hey, folks. Greetings, star seeds, and welcome to a cosmic journey, the comedy podcast about science and spirituality, where we discuss everything in the universe from the physical to the metaphysical. I'm Debbie Wilde, and I'm Jay Maceo. Uh, this week we've got news stories like which zodiac sign is the most likely to be a serial killer. <gasps> Or how a man was swallowed whole by a humpback whale and survives to tell the tale. My hump, my hump, my hump. And on our <laughs> my lovely lady loves, check it out. On our YouTube channel, check that out. You can catch cosmic news in video format. And on Wednesday, you can catch my cosmic insights, where I'll be talking about what to do when you're waiting for love. So be sure to subscribe. Do that. Do that. Also, later on the show, we take a dive, deep dive into a black hole. Because splash. To join our guest, Dieter Randolph. Yes. Um, so how has this week been for you? Wait, you always do this first. Ask me. Hey, yeah. How has this week been for you? This week has been you. great. <laughs> okay. All so right. I've had a really wonderful week. Mm -hmm. It's been very productive. I got a lot done. Um, I uh, am like three quarters of the way through that uh, project I've been kind of like teasing about, which mm -hmm. I got like literally all of that done on one day because I, I like I hit a wall and I was like, oh, my God, like, why is it not? Why am I not doing this? Why can I not do this? And one day it just clicked. and I'm like, damn, there we go. Boom. And I literally got all of it done. Nice. Um, there's still a little bit more work they need to do. So there's still a little bit more stuff, but it should be coming out very soon. Nice. But then on top of that, I wrote a new hookup horror story. Oh, okay. I tease this to you. Yes. Yes. You didn't tell me day. what it was about. I didn't tell you yet. So I wanted to wait till today. Okay. <laughs> um, the full story will be on my blog later on, but um, so I mentioned last week that I've been kind of like on this psychedelic journey 
lately. Mm-hmm. I've been opening my consciousness to the universe. I've been is that what you call experiencing it? the world from a psychedelic perspective, and mm-hmm. I've been doing mushrooms. So <laughs> I decided to celebrate that day because I got all that stuff done, and I was like, "Wow, oh my god!" So I was just like sitting at home, and I'm like, "You know what? I'm just gonna take a couple of these mushrooms." So, <laughs> so I got home from work. Did a couple of them about 45 minutes later. Wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Dancing naked in my room, like hanging out with my dog. I was about to say puppies looking at you like, what? <laughs> this brought this problem. I threw on some like weird psychedelic art thing on YouTube and I'm like dancing to my jams. I'm just having a wonderful time. And you know what? After like about an hour or two, I've been kind of like kind of feeling myself a little bit. Oh, feeling yourself and feeling yourself. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get a little, I'm gonna get a little fun and action going on in the shower. I've never done that on in the wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Two things you gotta back up. Number one, I've never felt anywhere near sexual on mushrooms, even though I haven't done them in 20 years. No, no. And I know somebody else on psychedelics. No, it's like sex does not the 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 idea of sex does not make sense. Oh, I was feeling it. I was like, oh, like just mushrooms. No, I just like, I mean, it just depends, really. It depends on the vibe. And let's and let's go back to one place. In the shower? <laughs> yeah. Well, where oh else my- am I gonna do it? Oh my like jerk off? No. Oh. Oh, gotcha. gotcha the other gotcha, way. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'm caught up no, to no, speed. No. Yeah, you're caught up to speed now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I I'm gonna make this really special. I, you know, I had my my we'll call him Scott. He's my my friend in my bottom drawer. Um, and so I brought out Scott into the shower, brought out my Vaseline, set up some Vaseline. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good shit. That's a good shit. Oh my God. What is this? 1974. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, but anyways, um, I got into the shower. I set up the vibe, you know, playing my good, like slow jams. And I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. into it. I'm in the shower. I'm like, I I did the shower because I'm like, I'm not going to really like, like, prepare wait my virgin ears can't hear this i wasn't really gonna like prepare to do it and (laughs) turn the air canister off they weren't supposed to know that i was trying to do it all slyly that's okay um anywho so undercover i'm in the shower and you know what i was like all up in it i was like having a good old time i'm i'm feeling it i'm just like yeah 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 getting it i noticed there was a a puddle forming in my in my shower Mm mm-hmm didn't care at the time. I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll deal with it later. Going at it. You're just having a good time. Wonderful. Oh, oh, I'm feeling it. Yep, yep, yep. Next thing you know, I pull out. <laughs> oh, no. And there was quite a bit of doo-doo action going on. So I'm washing off Scott. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Dealing with it. Glad you did in your shower. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Well, I realized there's still the puddle underneath my feet. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm like, like ankle deep in like a pool of like shit water. I was say boo-boo water. <laughs> boo-boo water. And it's in the shower. So it's not like you can go shower it off. Huh? No. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm also on mushrooms. I'm just like cracking up. I hope you have a plunger. I, I, okay. I grabbed, I tiptoed out of the shower, grabbed my plunger. I grabbed it going. I'm like plunging for a Dear God, I'm like, let this go down. Let this go down. And I'm cracking up the situation because I just feel fucking hilarious. Like, of course, this would happen to me. 
I'm plunging, I'm plunging. It's not going down. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is just ridiculous. I had to pull everything out of there. I'm like, just trying to get it out. Oh my God, it was so bad. I'm like, you know what? I don't have to just call a plumber in the morning. It's just not going to go down tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> I, luckily, in the next morning, the water had gone, but yeah. it is still all over. Yeah. Any, anywho, I washed that off. I got Drano. I did the Drano down the drain. That worked. Wow. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I didn't have to call the plumber. Oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes a hookup horror story can happen when you're just by yourself. Wow, just just you, mushrooms, and Scott. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> I now wish I had gone first because I have no way to top that. I, well, I'm doing shows. I'm doing music a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing uh, not only open mics, but show, this is not as, as cool. Uh, well, actually, yours wasn't cool. It was just interesting. Um, so just I'm doing weird. shows, and uh, I guess this is uh, this episode will air by the time it airs. This is the last episode before my next show. So I'm really, really excited about that. It's one of those where I'm uh, supposed to bring a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're supposed to like make sure you build your own audience. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit scary, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, as far as we talk about, are you watching any movies or, or well, wait, what was the date on that? Since so August 22nd, August 22nd at, at the trip Santa Monica. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Cool. 2101 Lincoln uh, Boulevard for those who are here in uh, Southern California. Movies, TV. Um, I've been catching up on Pose. Oh, I, I still can't. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. don't, they don't have season three yet on Netflix, but I've been watching. I'm halfway through season two. Well, almost, because I, I got to the point where, spoiler alert, um, uh, Pray Tell ha- is on his AZT and he gets sick. I got to that part. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But. I love I love the name Pray Tell for some reason. I know. It's so good. Yeah. I love Billy Porter so much. He is yes. so good in that show. And I, honestly, like, I love him as an actor anyways. Like, I, I saw clips of him in Kinky Boots. I wish I had seen it on live on, on Broadway, but... Oh, such a good Lola. I remember him all the way back. Uh, was it 99 or 2001? Uh, the Broken Hearts Club. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was the black friend. <laughs> no, but he was, he was the token black friend. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was cool. And I loved his back then. I remember loving his voices, a certain quality of people's voices. Mm-hmm. Usually it's with women. But that he has that I really, really I uh, love his love. voice. And yeah, it's not even just his singing, his singing, his talking, his speaking voice. That's what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's like a little raspy. Yeah, it has a certain kind of like timber to it. If yes. you will. Yeah, it's just it's timber. comforting. It's comforting. Yeah, yeah, very comforting. Yeah. So this is what's up with me. Yeah. And I have a site you can watch that on because I watched uh, season three on my site. And okay, I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch it on Netflix. Um. Watch, we're gonna get. I'm gonna get my shit <laughs> shut down. Uh, the Netflix police are gonna come after me. But uh, so I ran out of things to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? It's funny. Okay, first the movie, uh, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Now, okay, so I ended up watching that on, on my site, and I was like, but it seems like wasn't there a movie with the same name before? Apparently, Literally three years ago, there was another Suicide Squad that everyone hated. Well, this is the thing. So apparently, and Harley Quinn. Still same actress, too. Yeah, yeah. So this is the thing. This is the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And the first one was just Suicide Squad. So it's kind of like a sequel that is like, I don't know. It's it's weird. Anyhow, I watched the new one. 
And then for some reason, I watched the old one because I'd never seen either one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I like the sequel, you know, better. It was it's an actual sequel. You know what? I don't uh, I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched both of them and I don't know. But the other thing I've started to do is I've ran out of things to watch. I've run out of things to watch. So now I've started watching uh, the East Siders all over again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that it, it was such a good show. Because let me tell you something. After I watch something, I like hit it and quit it. Like I don't, I'm not a, a big person to watch something over again. Not but me. the the East Siders, so good that it's like, you know, I think it's it's like pizza the next morning. I mean, it's just good. I never got into that. East Siders? Yeah. Did you get past I mean, the you first told... season? No. See, okay, the first season is a movie. Movie is the first season, and the budget was so low on, you know, on the season one. Yeah. And then you get into the uh, season two, you're like, oh, this is like, they got a little bit more money or something. And by season three, you love, by e- end of season two, or even in the middle, you start to love these characters. Here's the thing. I have a really difficult time with, like, queer like queer television shows anyways if it's not like like funny off the bat if it's not like interesting storytelling off the bat i lose zero i have zero interest who's it lady the uh the drag queen that's in it uh willem oh willem yeah 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 Yeah. willem makes that when uh willem comes in that's the only reason why i would watch it because i know she's in it in season in season uh two uh they introduce uh uh willem so yeah i have an interesting story about willem so two things uh so she used to have a podcast um that it was called suck less based on the book that she wrote Mm -hmm. and um it's all like tips and tricks so like you know tips and tricks in your life and to suck less (laughs) um so i actually called into the show one time and uh uh was a guest on the show as a question i forgot you know what i Fucking, I think I actually asked if I should move to LA or something. And oh, you didn't live here? No, I didn't live here. I lived in Sacramento at the time. And hello, here I am. Thanks, Willem. But then, like, um, uh, when I did actually move to LA, actually, no, it was just before I moved to LA. Um, I was out at precinct, and Willem was there, and I saw her rolling around on one of those um those hoverboards or whatever the thing is with like the feet in the front, and then you just like tilt forward, and then like. Mm. whatever it's like a what do they call those oh i don't know i'll call it hoverboard uh you see the security guards on them at times never mind oh never mind but anyways she was there looking lovely came up to i i like walked up to her and i was trying to tell her like hey i called into your show one time and i wanted to say here i am I'm, i'm here in la and um but she was like hey i love your shirt (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's that's a story really that's the the extent of your conversation the of conversation yeah but wow. she said she loved my shirt oh and i was on a podcast that just uh, i listened to it last night yes it's so much fun oh my god yes love sex and jesus mm-hmm. sex drugs and jesus Whatever. sex drugs and jesus <laughs> you're gonna edit that out right no <laughs> oh my god edit that out no it's fine it's fine nobody cares Nobody, nobody cares. Anyways, Sex, Rest, and Jesus with Devan and Hubert. It was a great show. Um, I wanted to hear the full conversation because I was like so into it. And then it was like, I'm like, it, it cut short. But um, I actually went and signed up for it last night. Nice. But then there was an issue. I had to message him because I'm like, I don't see where the full episode is. Like I, I signed up, I, I did the thing. And I'm like, where do I get the full episode? And I'm looking all over the website. And I'm like, where is it? Oh. So I have to find out what's going on there. 
Um, I have to send my message. But yes, no, it was a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. I you, so guys much were, fun. you guys were like super good together. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Check Have it a lot out. Of fun. Check it out. Check um, it out. Yeah. Should we get into the astrology forecast? We shall. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, I actually just came up with this today. The channel message of the week is reap what you sow. Mm. So it was, I'm, I was thinking of like a lot of like harvest themes going on. Cause we're entering, um, Virgo territory and Virgo is kind of like the, um, the harvester of, uh, or you know, it's, it's around the time where like fall, like end of summer, we're like the cornucopia, cornucopia, as we were talking about earlier, cornucopia Jones, cornucopia Jones. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's all about the harvest. It's all about like, you know, planting your seeds and, and reaping what you sow afterwards. So that was where the channel message came from. So on 819, we have a Uranus retrograde. Uranus. Yeah, I don't know. At least you didn't call it Uranus. This time. Uranus. Uranus. <laughs> so you're, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say all the all the pronunciations now. Uranus planet of awakenings, innovation, and sudden changes starts to back it up. So Uranus is backing it up. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Not lately, though. If you've experienced some unexpected shifts or realizations when it comes to work, love, and the things you value over the past year, this retrograde asks us to start integrating these changes instead of resisting them. Mm. So rebellious and forward-thinking Uranus. Uh, see, I, you messed me up. Now I'm going to say all the pronunciations. Right. Want to ensure that we're making your own rules for ourselves and not just blindly following others. We're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. We can work with this uh, retrograde energy by keeping an open mind and letting go of limiting beliefs. Once you're honest, I can't. Oh my God. Sorry. Sorry. This I'm, is a me- I'm a mess today. I- We're tired. I'm tired today. I can't talk. <laughs> I'm tired of the shit of life. Once you're honest, Uranus, Uranus, Uranus. That's that's it. Okay. Uranus retrograde begins. All five of the transpersonal outer plants will officially be back spinning at once, meaning there's lots of subtle processing happening behind the scenes on both a personal and collective level. I took this section from bustle.com. Bustle, bustle. Um, so yeah, like Uranus. <laughs> to think about it now. Uranus is like that. Um is you know forward thinking it's it's like innovation it's it's changes sudden shifts and stuff so when it's going retrograde it's all about kind of like integrating those sudden changes those innovations and those things back into our lives what's interesting is that all of the outer plants the slow moving plants are all in retrograde motion right now so we're all kind of feeling this from a a a collective per a, a collective as a collective, because those are the, those are the collective planets. Oh, um, so collective perspective, collective perspective, exactly. But we also feel it a little bit on the personal level, also. So, 822 Mars. Tra- okay, no, I want to do this first. So, full moon in Aquarius. So, we have the sun opposite moon, which is what a full moon is when the sun is actually reflecting onto the surface of the moon. Uh, brings your home, family, and intimate relationships into sharper focus for the following two weeks of this moon phase. Full moon conjunct Jupiter brings optimism, generosity, good luck, and success. Opportunities may arise for personal, material, and spiritual growth. It could be travel, education, wealth creation, 
or an intimate relationship. Ooh. So full moon conjunct Jupiter. Jupiter is like plan of luck also expansion luck it's like a big ma- magnifying glass mm-hmm. uh, it basically just like magnifies whatever it's in oh full moon on the 22nd full moon on the 22nd yes okay. exactly um Ow. but these are like some really interesting aspects that are happening at the same day as a full moon so okay we have the full moon we have the full moon conjunct jupiter which is like that uh that magnifying glass i was telling you about it's gonna brighten things up and bring some luck nice also we have Mars trine Uranus. Mars, planet of action, sex, and literal dick, will be trining that very same planet. Literal, it's a it's a dick. You know, it's a it's a it's a phallic symbol. With Venus, Mars. Mars. Oh, Mars. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a trine is a positive aspect that adds a little fairy dust to whatever it's in. For these few days, we can have an increased energy level when it comes to integrating changes, as stated before, moving forward with plans or projects. A higher urge to change or rebel or having out of the box or kinky sex. Mm. We and then also that same day. So Venus will also be trining Saturn. So ideal for finding true love and commitment relationships benefit from a sensible approach and steady affections. A new romance could be with someone from a different age group. Uh, Existing relationships could enjoy closer bonding and stability. Oh. Mutual respect and practicality can resolve long-term relationship problems also. So we have this, this kind of energy of forward motion and also action when it comes to like, you know, sexual relationships and also, um, you know, changes and stuff and plans and stuff mm-hmm. in our own lives. But also we have this other energy of um, uh, kind of like stable commitment, like romance kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting how those things play out. And what we can do with both of those types of energy, if you have a partner, it'd be a great time to experiment. Mm. If you have someone that you're interested in, it could be an, an opportunity to just go have fun with them. Um, and it could also mean that, um, you know, just changes in relationships in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just embrace change. Everything is going to be like moving forward in, in this time. And then, you know, obviously like we're kind of planting these seeds. So as we're entering Virgo season, and that same day as a full moon, the sun moved into Virgo. So when I think of Virgo, I think of the Simpsons episode where, where uh, Homer's on the roof with Ned and they have all these meats and stuff that they're, that they're barbecuing or whatever on the roof mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But then they're like, what are we going to do with all these meats? And then Homer says, oh, the wife will clean that up. And the next thing you know, Marge comes upstairs and she goes, it's Marge's time to shine. And she like gets the, gets the mop and she's like, doo, 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 doo. Virgo is Marge in that situation. It's all about cleaning up the mess and kind of just taking care of things. So that's what I always think of, like when I think of Virgo energy. Injury. Andrew organization plays an important role while Virgo is in this placement and Virgos are experts at crossing the T's and draw and dotting the I's. Everything, uh, everyone can benefit from some planning and organizing in this energy gives up all, gives us all the ability to tap into it. Virgos are all about the harvest. You sow your seeds, you take real good care of them. You give them proper soil, just enough daylight. You take care of them. You will eventually harvest a cornucopia. Cornucopia. What was funny is that earlier today, you said horn of plenty. I'm like, yeah. Isn't that a cornucopia? I literally use this word in the in the thing. Yeah, yeah. How funny. See, we are like on the same wavelength. Okay. We have brain waves. Brain waves. Whoop, hello. Just jumped up out. Up out at you. Ooh. Up out at death card. Death. Transformation. Sudden changes. Movement. 
all inclusive. Ooh, queen of Cups. Uh, emotional. I've been getting a lot of cups recently, by the way. Emotions. Emotions. Now one jumped out too. It was like, yeah. Prince of Swords. Um, I'm a little unfamiliar with these, but I'm going to do my best to try to see what they say to me. So we've got the death card, obviously. So that obviously has to do with a lot of transformation big scorpio energy here a lot of power it's a planet of pluto which is the same kind of energy transformation um out with the old and with the new um we've got the queen of cups here um i see lilies on this so that adds a lot of like um growth obviously that has a lot of like plant like you know as i was saying before sow your seeds mm -hmm. um uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sow your seeds yeah and then we also have um i think that's a, that's a stork or something is that a stork stork or a heron or a herring oh yeah heron. heron um so yeah so obviously oh. taking flight with these things taking flight with our with our transformation as long as it's in touch with our emotions that it brings energy. babies mm -hmm. and as long as we're heart-centered and as long as we're taking that action towards our transformation when it comes to like internal transformation. That's a really good um, use of that energy as well. And Prince of Swords, this is a, um, it's a battle. It's a bit of a battle um, going on here. So like all of the princes have like a forward movement. So they're a little bit like that chariot energy where it's always like forward movement. And it's always like moving um, idea oh, swords is ideas. So thank you. Um, it's, moving forward with ideas it's being heart-centered with our um with our changes and being heart-centered with our, our things that we're going working on if that makes sense work <laughs> I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here today i'm a little tired oh i'm a little tired Anywho, that is that. Shall we get into the news? Yeah. I've been seeing lonely a lot recently for a lot of things, but uh, this cloud is lonely. Uh, scientific, uh, scientifically mysterious, isolated cloud bigger than the Milky Way has been uh, found by a research team at the University of Alabama in Huntsville in a no man's land for galaxies. Mm. So the so-called orphan or lonely cloud is full of hot gas with temperatures of 10,000 to 10 million degrees uh, Kelvin and a total mass of 10 billion times the mass of the sun. Think about that. Uh, that makes it larger than the mass of small galaxies. The lonely cloud or the cloud was discovered in uh, Abel 1367 by a group uh, led by Dr. Ming Sun an associate professor at uh, physics at UAH, which is part of the University of Alabama system, also called the uh, LEO cluster, uh, A1367. It contains around 70% uh, or 70 galaxies, rather, and is located around 300 million light years from Earth. So the LEO cluster, is it near the LEO constellation, do you think? Uh, it, I don't know. 
we need to we need to ask this doctor potentially if, if it's dr any, ming what you want what you want son uh but uh the there's stuff that happened um the cloud was found <laughs> using the european uh, space agency the esa uh x-ray multi-mirror uh mission and uh the uh, Europe's flagship X-ray telescope, that's what that is. Uh, the cloud is associated, uh, it's not associated with any galaxy and is in a, a no galaxies land, kind of like no man's land. Uh, and the cloud is most likely uh, originating from a huge unknown galaxy in the cluster. Uh, yet it is estimated that this massive mysterious cloud has survived hundreds of millions of years after removal of its host galaxy. So it's been around, the galaxy's gone, but this cloud is surviving. It's been around the universe and so have I. And I, I, I. Uh, <laughs> with future study, Dr. Ming says that the lonely cloud and others are yet to be discovered. Uh, it, it could help scientists better discover and understand stripped interstellar mediums at a great distance from their galaxies. I wonder, you know, number one, if it's near that Leo constellation. Number two, Lonely Cloud sounds like a really good song title. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of that song, Lonely Girl, Lonely Girl. I was thinking, of, this is a contemporary song. You might not know it, but it's, um, <laughs> you might not know this one. Probably don't. It's called Super Lonely. I'm just, I'm just a lonely chick. I mean, oh, how's it fucking go? It's called Super Lonely. It's called Super Lonely. It's okay. Really, it's a really good song. It's upbeat, but it's like, I listen to it. Yeah, I wrote Talk an about up- how lonely she is. I li- recently I wrote an upbeat song about death. Yeah, it's a great song, and it's really poppy. Great song, but it's about death. Yeah, great song. Oh, um. So number two, uh, so I posted this thing a few weeks ago, um, maybe like two weeks ago, that um was totally incorrect. So I posted this thing about serial killers by Zodiac Sign, which is the most po- most popular ones, and. After I posted it, I realized that all of the zodiac signs were the same type of zodiac signs. They were all mutable signs. So they were mm. Virgo, Gemini, Sagittarius, and Pisces. I'm like, that can't be right. These are all the same type of, of thing. So I did a little research and I was like, you know what? This is totally incorrect. So I apologize. Ooh. I posted incorrect information. Bring it back. Bring it back. So I did a little research. So to, um, I found this... this um, this article on thisinterestme.com about serial killer zodiac signs. And this person did all the work. So um, to figure all this out, this person compiled a list of 161 serial killers from 30 different countries. Hmm. Uh, this list contains the world's uh, worst serial killers that were born between 1900 and 2000. These are killers with the highest number of probable murders. So after that, they wrote a custom script on a computer that, uh, that calculated each serial killer's zodiac sign. And here is the most interesting part so Mm -hmm. i'll go backwards so virgo is actually the lowest it's uh eight so it's the least likely to be a serial killer as a virgo oh okay as far as this information is concerned uh libra and leo are next with 10 leo that surprises me leo and libra gemini is 11 taurus is 12 cancer is 13 aries is 14 capricorn is 15 and so is aquarius uh, Sagittarius and Scorpio are both second and third at seven with 17 murders uh, or 17 serial killers, I should say. And the top of the list is Pisces with 19 serial killers with Pisces. Wow. I mentioned this to um, 
uh, Mimi the other day, and mm-hmm. and because she met, she commented on like you know what this is incorrect. So I sent her this article. I said it's actually Pisces is the most common one. She goes, "Wow, Pisces just really have the weight of the world on their shoulders, don't they?" <laughs> <laughs> which is true. It's like they're the last in the, of the of the zodiac signs, which means they have all the energy from all the other ones. It kind of like oh, yeah, it's cumulative. It's cumulative, yeah. So cloud. distilled the results down by American celery killers just to see if the results were similar. In this case, 61 out of 161 people on my list were Americans. Pisces still took the top spot. However, Gemini jumped a few places, uh, jumped up a few places, and Sagittarius Ooh. dropped down to the middle. Furthermore, Virgo is no longer as innocent. Instead, celery killers in the USA were less likely to be Aquarius, Libra, Taurus, or Cancer. A person in the comments section asked me to convert this this list to serial colors into this Chinese zodiac system as well, which made up of 12 different animals. So top five were, uh, or backwards, rabbit 15, rooster 16, dog 16, pig 19, dragon 20. Oh, 20 serial colors by dragon. Wait, did you talk? Did you say horse at all? Horse is eighth place. I wrote that in the very end. Yeah, because I did the top five. Oh, you yeah, I got you. Okay. I knew you were a horse, so I kept that in there. So Whoa. you are actually less likely to be a serial killer than I am by Whoa. Chinese zodiac sign. Nice. Okay. <laughs> is that interesting? That is, but you know, the thing I do understand certain things about Chinese astrology, uh, zodiac rather, but this is the thing that gets me though. It's like I'm so different than other people born in my year. Yeah. Yeah. So that that part is well, yeah. there's a lot of other things that come into play at that time too yeah don't play 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 don't play that's why i don't really i don't really do chinese zodiac because it's more kind of like a i feel like it's more of like a like a catch-all zodiac or catch-all horoscope type thing because it's like not everyone in that same year is going to be the exact same person does that doesn't make sense to me i think it's more kind of like an idyllic um uh, idyllic type of energy or like or things that you can kind of borrow from like yeah but it's not the end all be all that's why i trust like western astrology or you know all the other stuff too because it's a little bit more nuanced it has a lot more kind of like w yeah it has a lot more like def def uh, interactive stuff between all the planets and stuff so it's going and going and going going and going and going like us so uh third one this is a little bit scary for me i I, you know we're just going to talk about it and see how this goes so there's been a lot of talk about like microchips and everything Mm -hmm. with uh some people said the vaccine you know (laughs) i don't know how uh not with uh microchips rather but now there is a, a a virus detecting chip uh, some go on cards and some actually go under the skin. The the uh, Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research uh, Project Agency, DARPA, DARPA, is working on a uh, creating an implacable uh, microchip that would monitor the human body for signs of the coronavirus. And DARPA other virus. was also that place that I remember when I said um, the uh, corpse eating robots. Oh, that was DARPA was the same company that created that. Damn, DARPA. Yeah. DARPA be tripping. Uh, So uh, tissue chip development is one of the rapidly growing areas of biomedical science. On the uh, 60 Minute Show, retired U.S. Colonel uh, Matt Hepburn, an Army uh, infectious disease physician, headed up uh, DARPA's response to the pandemic held up by uh, individual or held up by uh, a veil of green tissue like gel 
which contain the chip. So it's in uh, some gel. And I don't want to eat jelly anymore. <laughs> On the show, Hepburn said uh, that tiny green thing there, you put it underneath your skin. And it's what tells you if there are any chemical reactions going on inside the body. And that signal means that you're going to have symptoms tomorrow. It's basically a check engine light for your body. Uh, yeah. So Hepburn also revealed that DARPA has developed a filter to remove the virus from the blood using a dialysis machine and that the FDA has approved it and has already uh, been used for 300 patients. Uh, weird. Yeah. So recent DARPA. Uh, so that that part is just the, the removal by blood. Uh, seems extreme. Yeah. Uh, recent DARPA research shows that the ability to accelerate productions of millions of doses of vaccine using the novel plant based methods. But uh, clinical trials for vaccines and drugs can't be uh, initiated without preclinical evidence of their safety in people. I, I, you know, we've talked about microchips and different things that, you know, I'm just going to say that I know that a lot of people are going to be on board with, you know, microchips inside them that do, you know, wonderful and awesome things. But I think it opens up for for some dangers, I think. I think it does, too. And especially how I mean, number one. I know there's been a lot of damage from COVID and stuff too. And absolutely definitely, but I I feel like removing the virus via dialysis machine is a bit extreme. Like I know they're, they're, you know, trying different things, trying to like, but at the same time, a lot of the people have kind of mild symptoms and stuff too. So it just seems a little extreme to kind of go that far. Yeah. You know, that's what they use to like get people that are on, you know, their kidneys or the blood cancer or whatever it is limb limb lymphoma limb oh something like we're gonna look this up <laughs> i'm tired my brain is not working or we're we just gonna say we're gonna look it up and not do my brain is not my brain is not working today anywho um but yeah that's same company that did the corpse eating robots well yeah damn that darpa damn that darpa anywho uh, so speaking of weird science here, weird science. there have been over 20 UFO sightings in Minnesota in 2021. Damn. So thanks to the Pentagon throwing decades of statements to the contrary under the bus this spring by suddenly declassifying the fact that they know and have known for decades that unidentified flying objects or, or identified if like unidentified aerial. unidentified aerial phenomena, as they call them. I can't even fucking speak right now. This is bad. And we still got the rest of the show to do. You can speak. Damn. I believe in you. A Navy task force report reveals that Navy pilots and assorted military and government personnel have been reporting unexplainable flying objects for decades, including 144 credible sightings between 2004 and 2021. This might also back up the nearly 1,500 UFO sightings in Minnesota crowdsourced by the National UFO Reporting Center over the past 15 years, including 20 and counting already in 2021. Jeez. So just don't go thinking any of this is proof that aliens exist because the Navy Task Force report says that, well, it's not, it doesn't know what the mystery objects are. There are no clear indications that there's any non-terrestrial explanation for them. Wow. So, I mean, they're not saying outward that they could be extraterrestrial. They're not saying outward that they could be aliens, but, you know, they're not allowed to say that. Anyways. I'm not saying that they're aliens, but I'm not not saying that they're aliens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying here. 
but over 20 in just minnesota alone this yeah. year this yeah this year yeah which this year's gone by fast but still yeah like, that's a lot uh i'd like to know more about this like you know a sneak into it no i can't i did it. check out the blood the black belt recently oh i haven't checked that out in a while yeah, i was just i got i was reading a couple different things but i didn't really find much but there's a lot on that website yeah there's you have to dig dig to dig, 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 dig black vault yeah. black vault well uh oh, I, I, sometimes i try to get a nice segue i'm not gonna get a segue i'm not just gonna <laughs> jump into it so there's a you know the story of jonah uh, that can actually happen. The story Jonah of Jonah in the, in, in the Bible, in the Bible. Uh, in this story, a man was swallowed by a whale. And no, I didn't. It didn't take place in the Old Testament uh, to a man named Jonah. It happened to a lobster diver named Michael Packard off the coast of Provincetown, Massachusetts. Yeah, it did. Uh, Packard set off early in the morning, Friday, June 11th, to dive for lobsters. Uh, with his fishing partner, Josiah Mayo. That's close to Jonah. Mayo. Mayo. Uh, and <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. After a disappointing... the side of Mayo. Right? Uh, after disappointing after disappointing first haul, Packer dove into the water again just before 8 a.m. But as he scoured the sandy bottom of Herring Beach Cove, something suddenly struck uh, struck him from behind. All of a sudden, he felt this huge shove and the next thing he said, I knew I was completely, it was completely black. That's what he was saying. He was like, hey, it's black now. I was looking at Mayo, and now it's black. Where'd the sun go? Yeah. Uh, from the surface, Mayo watched Packard's air bubbles vanish. Uh, but then he couldn't possibly have guessed what happened next. His partner uh, was below the wave, so he didn't know what happened. Uh, a humpback whale, humpback whale accidentally swallowed Packard in one huge gulp. Everything went dark, Packard said. I was like, oh, my God, did I just get hit by a uh, bit by a shark? Then uh, I felt uh, felt around and I realized that there was no teeth and I had felt really uh, <laughs> and there was no teeth and I had f- felt really no pain. And then he realized, oh, my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. I'm in a whale's mouth. And he's trying to swallow me. Oh my god, that would must be so scary, terrifying. Yeah, and it was a terrifying stretch of uh, just thirty to forty seconds. Packard struggled into the darkness, but he uh, felt the whale start to shake his head. Packard lifted himself or felt himself zoom towards the surface, and just like that, he was free. Uh, this isn't the first time Packard escaped death. Michael Packard also has also survived the crash that left him stranded off the Costa Rican jungle for days uh, and encounters with whales, sharks uh, and all these things are nearly getting him to uh, uh, to get lost on the ocean. So, yeah, encounters with great white sharks and nearly getting lost in the open ocean. Yeah, this guy is like. Is a death cheater. Yeah, death cheater for sure. Play the lotto, Michael Packard. I wonder what it would be like to be digested by a whale, though. I was thinking that same thing. <laughs> yeah, like how long do you think I could be in there? Because obviously, I can get an air take, right? It would be scary. How long do you think you like? Will the whale poop him out later on? Would he get digested in like the? Yeah, because I guess juices? the stomach acids, I guess, would break a person down. That would be so painful. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Break you down into waste, baby. Waste. You wouldn't come down in one piece. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of whales, whales, <laughs> we I have the final news story here is about the most haunted castle in Wales. Oh, so Conway Castle could be one of the best places to visit in Wales for ghost hunters and fans of the paranormal, according to one user on website Too Chill. Uh, recommended by member Cyan Williams, the tourist attraction is steeped in history and the fortified town walls are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Dubbed by many as uh, one of the most haunted places in North Wales, reports from visitors claim that uh, to have seen an apparition of a monk, apparition. a black silhouette, and a large man in armor uh, illuminated by candlelight in the castle. Some visitors have even reported fleeing the castle from fright, even in daylight. Oh, wow. Uh, before the castle was constructed in the 13th century, the site was home to the Cistercian Monastery and the spirit of the Pat. And the spirit of a past resident are said to haunt the castle, lamenting in the hooded cloak about the loss of his abbey. Others claim to have smelled incense in the old chapel, despite none being lit. Other sightings have included various silhouettes and dark figures watching the town from below the battlements and the windows. Uh, in the 16th century, King Henry VIII used the castle as his prison, so many of the sightings are believed to be past inmates. Oh, geez. In 2016, a team of paranormal investigators claimed they had recorded the voice of a little girl spirit saying, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them what? Don't tell them about the, the scary man with the incense. <laughs> uh, in 2020, a man took a picture outside Conway Castle, which he believes shows a line of phantoms uh, led by a male ghost holding a sword, as reported by North Wales Live. Wow. I mean, the next time I'm in uh, England, I definitely want to find some haunted castles to visit because, I mean, I did see Stonehenge when I was there and that was really cool. And that's also a, a heritage site also. They have all kinds of like really cool like heritage sites out there, like all like old buildings, old castles, wow. stuff like that. Like, um, Do you have earthquakes out there? I don't think so. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, they're not by the fault or anything. We're mm-hmm. by the fault over here. So yeah, yeah. But um, it ain't my fault. They have a lot of rain over there. That's for sure. oh yeah, yeah I heard that. Rain. But yeah, I think I definitely want to visit a haunted castle. It's gonna be haunted, baby. Yeah. As usual, you can find links to all these articles used today in today's episode on our website at acosmicjourneypod.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for tuning in and be sure to like this video and subscribe for all the other stuff. Do that. And if you're listening to the podcast, stay tuned because we will be joined by our guest, Dieter Randolph. Yes, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Love. Are you looking for guidance through your spiritual journey, Star Seeds? Well, Mimi Folko is a professional tarot reader, astrologer, and numerologer, and uses all of these tools at her disposal to help provide spiritual insights that can give context to your life experiences and assist you in your own journey and your daily life. And in her session, she covers things like how to understand yourself better, uncovering emotional patterns, and what special messages your spirit guides are sending to you. In addition, her apothecary is full of goodies like handmade soy and crystal candles to help you clear your energy, ground yourself, uh, center yourself. She's a one-stop shop. I had so much fun with you on the show. Me too. You know, when she was on the show, she did a little astrology reading for us and she discussed Chiron, which is our wounded healer. And it really helped me understand uh, what the things that I need to do in order to heal and also the things that uh, would help me along my journey. So if you go into her shop, you can also shop her specialty handmade crystal candles in lovely scents like love, sobriety, and courage. Her herbal teas like bright and early, lemon lavender, and be divine. She also has soy candles in scents like grapefruit and patchouli, rosemary and sage, and wood and apple. 
Ooh. And she also does uh, tarot for beginners. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can book a session with Mimi by visiting harveymountainalchemy.com and find her on Instagram at mimis.me. That's at M-I-M-I-S dot me at, and at harveymountain.alchemy. Welcome to the show, Star Seeds. This is Dieter Randolph. He is a third-generation minister, a writer, a coach, a teacher, and a podcaster. He is the author of the book, Meaning Fulfilled, Seven Practical Answers for Finding What Matters and Changing Your Life, host of the podcast of the same name, a monthly conversation about finding meaning and reaching fulfillment, and also Dieter takes his work beyond gospel and aims to make spiritual principles accessible to all. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be yeah. here. Absolutely. Um, so we'd like to start off the show with uh, asking everyone the kind of like the same question. So what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, cool. How do you define it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not something I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it's one of those things where I think that, that people can go, well, you know, I did that thing because I'm a Scorpio. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. you did it because you're a jerk. You know, it's... <laughs> That too. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. And I think that the traditional definition has to do with being passionate. And I certainly am passionate about certain things in my life and, and that kind of a thing. But it's not something I spent a whole lot of time thinking about. Right. Um, my wife is a Scorpio as well. And people are like, oh boy, both oh. of you two are in the house. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's fine. That's awesome. There we go. Uh, well, where are you, where are you from and what was it like growing up? Well, I was born in, uh, in Missouri. But okay. I don't really remember that very well. My parents were both student ministers in Missouri, but my earliest, I was just a baby, so I don't really remember it very well. My earliest memories are in Iowa, uh, where they had a church. And it was super weird because it was in the, this little town called Davenport, Iowa. You've never heard of it. Nobody's ever heard of it. I don't think the people who live there have heard of it. It's one of those <laughs> kind of things. But um, they had uh, converted an old uh, Carmelite monastery. So it was this giant building where the church was and the place that we lived was part of the quarters there. And the school that I went to was there. So it was like this huge castle. It was like living in Hogwarts or whatever. It's wow. a little bit more of a, like a shining kind of a vibe because I would just ride my big wheel down these old spooky halls and stuff like that. So <laughs> those are my earliest memories is, is very, the here. shining status. Wow. For sure. For sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you ever see any twins like at the end of the hall <laughs> wearing a little blue dress? Real no, no, but there were rooms we stayed out of because there was like an old lady in a bathtub. You know, it's one of those. Okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. We don't, we don't want to bother with the old lady. Um, so obviously you're a minister and stuff, but like what was your religious upbringing and did that affect like your, your later on? Well, for sure, because, you know, as I said, my parents are both ministers and my grandparents on one side are ministers. And so it's like the family business, but mm. It's one of those things where I always say, you know, if your parents are plumbers and your grandparents are plumbers, you're probably going to know how to use a wrench. You know, it's just kind of mm. it's the thing, you know, but there's pros and cons with that. I mean, obviously, the immediate negative is like if people find out you're a church kid, you don't get invited to the cool parties and stuff right. like that. You don't hear the good jokes. But 
But more than that, I think it's like any kind of family business where there's an assumption Mm. that you don't know you're allowed to challenge for a long time. Mm. There's certain things about it. And I have to say that I really feel grateful to be raised in an environment where there's a concern for, hey, there's something bigger than you. Mm. And we really got to take care of each other as a people. And these kinds of things that are really broad, the idea of love being important, for example, Mm. that's huge. Love that. However, uh, just the word church itself, mm-hmm. no matter how well-intentioned the people are, uh, can be very, very negative. A lot of people have feelings about being burned by the church environment. When you think mm-hmm. of church now, it's, it's, a, it's a judgmental thing. It wasn't always that way. I mean, when you think back in the history of humanity, a lot of really, really good things happened because the church people, quote unquote, church people were people who could read, you know, the the Uh, Martin Luther King kind of a church guy, you know, there's there's certain things, you know, but I get it. You know, you turn on the news and it's, it's often the case that the people you see who are religious people are people you wouldn't want to hang out with ever because they're the people talking about hate and fear and separation and judgment and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And like I said, no matter how well-intentioned you are, if you come from a church place, there are certain uh, prejudgments about what you're all about. And so I grew up not really getting that, you know, I was, I was born into the family business. Like I said, and I started super early. I was way classic overachiever. I started college when I was 13. I was in it. Wow. Like, I did all the talk about not getting invited to the cool parties. And I did all of that stuff, you know? And uh, when I was a teenager, I was elected as a leader of the youth group and they flew me all over the country to go speak at places and plan retreats. And I was oh, wow. in it. Wow. But you know, and I went to seminary early and before in, in the year I turned 21, I got married, became an ordained minister, had a kid, started a storefront church. I mean, overachiever type A kind of wow, stuff. Wow, totally. And, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I have a lot of really fond memories about all of that. But in the back of my head, I began to realize to a greater and greater degree that there was something about this thing that my parents did and my grandparents did and so many other people. And I love them and respect that, but it just wasn't working for me. Mm. And I didn't know that it was possible to do the thing, but in a different way. So I just said, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I just walked away from all of it. And I got a regular job for a few years of my life. And in fact, several regular jobs, I worked at a record store and I did computer stuff and I sold used cars for a little while that didn't go well, but you know, those kinds of things, <laughs> you know, just to try to put food on the table and figure sure, it yeah. out. But the thing that happened was wherever I happened to be, people kind of found me. So uh-huh. I, I ended up in computers. I did pretty well, made a little bit of money. I ended up working for Google for a little while. I've done that whole thing. But what would happen is I'd be in some meeting and somebody would say, hey, can you hang out after the meeting? I want to talk to you real quick. And I would think it would be like, okay, we got to go over the. I don't like, I don't like when people do that to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know it's, it's hardly ever good. Right. But I would assume it was something about the job, but nine times out of 10, the person would go, Hey, I'm going through a divorce and I wonder what you think about this. (laughs) Or, you know, what do I do about this thing? And it's like, Look, you know, most of the people that I was involved with at work had degrees in computer science and stuff like that. I have a degree in theology, but you don't advertise that because it's not good for the career. You know, people would ask me questions that you might get in trouble with human resources if you spend time talking about it in the (laughs) world. And so it was like this like underground thing be like, let's go outside and take a walk and we could talk about this. (laughs) You'd think I was selling drugs or something, but it was one of those things where it's like, you don't do that here. Yeah. Mm. 
But what I discovered more and more is like, I am super bored by this job. Mm. And as much as I felt uncomfortable doing ministry before, I was never bored. Right. Mm. There was passion in that, that I'm not finding here. And it doesn't matter how good the money is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. And so I started to try to figure out ways to come back to it without coming back to it. Right. Wow. Yeah. There has to be a middle ground somewhere. You just got to find that sweet spot, you know? Yeah, exactly. So was there any denomination or was it just, uh, that's that too. Yeah. 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 Um, the denomination I grew up in was called unity and okay. it's still around, but there's, there's unity churches, but the thing about unity is because it's profoundly, profoundly open-minded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can find some unity churches that do things that are very, very different than others that are very, very different than like the traditional teachings and all of that pros and cons. But it's a little bit like if you go to a McDonald's in Ohio and they serve spaghetti, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> what do you, what do you guys do? it's cool that you're open minded, but what, what do you got for me? You know, right. it's yeah. nice to, to know, you know, and that's a real weak point of the unity movement is that they're not really good at saying, hey, this is our thing. Oh, got you. There's a lot of blanket, like positive, practical Christianity. Well, that sounds pretty good. I like positive. I like practical, you know, that kind of thing. Jesus seems like a cool guy. But beyond that, it's like, what, what is this thing? So there's some complexity there that, that's not been addressed in the spirit of wanting to be open. Right. Oh, okay. You know, it's like if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. There's yes. a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like they have that in like a lot of different dom- denominations anyways. Like if you go to a Baptist church in like Arkansas or something versus a Baptist church in California, like they're going to have different sets of priorities and different it's true. teachings. Yeah. So you get that anywhere you go. Really. Or even it's two di- or two Baptist churches in California, you know, <laughs> or even that. Yeah, yeah. no, you're of- not wrong. You're not wrong for sure. Yeah. It, it definitely happens. And it's one of those things where you have to decide what's important to you. Exactly. And, and it's funny. It's It's like, I think sometimes... You know, the saying there's no geographical cure where if you're if you have a problem in one town, you move to another town, you still have the same problem because you're still you. Yeah, I think that sometimes people think, well, I go to this new I don't call it a church. It's called a religious center Mm -hmm. and they don't do this. It's a it's a spiritual campus that I go to, you know, whatever. It's a little bit like saying I got food poisoning at a restaurant one time and I don't go to restaurants anymore. I go to a food center. (laughs) <laughs> they, don't, they don't have menus they have this this piece of paper that's got the food that they offer but that's not a menu we call it something different it's a food tablet you know it's like, <laughs> come on. if you just change the nouns around you're not actually changing things and uh, i have been to mainstream churches mm-hmm. and seen hate and fear and separation all the stuff that we roll our eyes at but i've mm-hmm. also been to super progressive churches where People look down on you if you don't, you know, have your feathers on right or whatever. You don't have the right crystals. You don't, you know, it's the same judgmental stuff. And I got to say, a lot of times, if you go to a quote unquote normal church somewhere in the Midwest and you say, hey, look, I'm trying to deepen my relationship with spirituality, they'll give you a hug and some potato salad. You know, it's like (laughs) you get a much more loving environment than I've encountered in some quote unquote progressive churches. So in any case, it's about digging a little bit deeper than the surface stuff. Wow. But your your bio says that you are, are a teacher. Have you taught in a classroom setting, either uh, for ministry or outside of ministry? I have taught in the classroom setting at seminary. I've done okay. that kind of oh, stuff. Wow. And, uh, you know, also I teach classes in the stuff that I do. So, so I've never taught like math or anything like that. I'm not working right. in the public school system or something like that. But like I can get down with, you know, comparative religion or teach a Bible class or, you know, things like that. So actually I'm going to jump 
a question ahead because you mentioned it first. So uh, as an event speaker, you travel around and discuss various topics of wellness, overcoming adversity and bouncing back from failure, just to name a few. Number one, where did you get, where do you get the ideas for topics? Like where does your inspiration comes from? And number two, what would someone hearing you speak for the first time take away from your talks? Well, I think they go, what's up with his hair? But I think beyond <laughs> <Yeah>. that, <laughs> I'm jealous. I think that (laughs) I think that what happens is one of the things that that came out for me when I decided to come back to doing this stuff after having quote unquote real job was I need to build the church that I want to go to. Right. And now I don't even really do church as such anymore. What I do is kind of different. We can talk about that if there's time for it later on. But but the point is, the thing that drove me was where would you want to go? Mm. And I didn't even know I could ask that question because that's sort of a family business thing is you kind of just have to, it's like, you have to go to church. It's Sunday, mom and dad are talking, you go to church, you know, I didn't know. And I think a lot of people have that blind spot in some area of their lives or another. And that was just mine. But so the idea that go to the place you would want to go to create the thing you want to hear. So it answered the question of how do I choose my topics? Part of it is, well, what do I need to hear about? Mm, what yeah. are some questions yeah. that, 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 you know, you got to scratch your own itch, you know, otherwise what's the point? Otherwise you can end up being hypocritical accidentally. Right. Yeah. But the other thing that happens is among the different things that I do, I have this little YouTube channel called ask Dieter. And all mm. it is, is people send me questions and I answer the questions. And usually it's like a minute long, you know, it's just, what do you think about drugs? You know, or what, yeah. what's the deal with this or that? And the other thing, and I just answer the question. And sometimes it's topics that feel very religious and sometimes not at all. Hmm. There was a whole, people kept asking me questions about whether or not you should get vaccinated, for example. And (laughs) I said, yes, but you know, it's one of those things (laughs) where it's, 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 you know, it's that thing, but I have, it's a beautiful thing because so often in the traditional church environment, it's just one guy and it's almost always a white male talking Mm -hmm. at a group of people. Right. And there's some real problems with that. Um, I have the opportunity to hear what people actually want to hear. And so sometimes the, the topics I choose, it'll end up, it'll start as a little movie about, you know, a simple thing, but then it evolves because people ask me questions about the question. Then I realize, oh, this is my next book. You know, oh, that. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot of things. I wrote this, my latest book out of a, a desire to answer a kind of a question. And that is to say that, as you might imagine, I've been to a lot of funerals. Mm. You know, I've done hundreds of funerals, maybe, you know, lots anyway. And the thing that, that kept coming up for me is it's super weird because when you're at a funeral, you end up having some kind of insight because even if you don't believe in the, you know, the progress of the soul or any kind of spiritual, whatever, even if all it is, is this is the place where people hit the brakes. This is the end. Mm. Even if you're just looking at the end of something that's profound too. So one way or another, people have these really profound insights. But the funny thing about the funeral environment is you don't really want to talk to the person next to you about these insights because they're crying and you're supposed to be too. You can't say, hey, aunt so-and-so, can you shut up for a minute? I have this idea about what happened. (laughs) That's not cool. So nobody does that. But what's really funny is that they will talk to the guy in the front of the room. That's me. Mm-hmm. because and a lot of times you know when i do a funeral i know some of the people i might know the person who passed on in their immediate family but there's a whole lot of people in that room never seen me before never going to see me again and so mm-hmm. they feel really comfortable talking to me and i have heard so many different things i've heard i finally get to hear the bad jokes i finally get to you know those mm-hmm. kinds of things incredible insights but 
the thing that occurred to me is that over hundreds of these experiences, I have never once heard somebody say, hey, you know, this was really positive and I'm happy about this and that and the other, and that was beautiful. But I wish you would have told me a little bit more about their credit score. (laughs) I wish I wish I would have heard more about their height and weight and vital statistics and how much money they had. Nobody cares about that. And so the thing that came out for me was it's so crazy that the data does not matter and we know that it doesn't matter. Hmm. And yet most people spend most of their time chasing the numbers. Mm. If only I can make a few dollars. If only I could move to that better zip code. If only I could lose a few more pounds. If only I could get a few more likes on my Instagram picture of my nachos. It's all just these numbers. And people spend so much time chasing the thing that they know won't help. Wow. In, and in it's my like old a, church, they used to say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that. Well, because the thing is, it's like, it's kind of a you are what you eat kind of a thing. If you chase meaningless things, you end up feeling meaningless too. Totally. Wow. Now, you, your podcast, Meaning Fulfilled, uh, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm putting the accents in the right place. Yeah, you're uh, good. T- okay. Uh, tell us about that a little bit, the, the podcast. Well, the the book is Meaning Fulfilled, and that's I wrote that as a desire to go, okay, we're chasing this thing. It doesn't matter what does matter. How do we find it, right? That's the book. Mm-hmm. But the podcast is I decided I didn't want to do church anymore. And part of it was like a COVID thing. We can't meet in person. And as the world started to put itself back together, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back to the Sunday morning thing. It just, I have so much respect for that. And I am pro church, but Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. It's just not for me to do. There's other people who can do that. But I recognize the need to be in a room full of people, right? And it's hard right now. We're figuring it out. But it's the same reason why, you know, you probably got a great sound system in your car, but going to a live concert is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got a big TV and a surround sound system and Blu-ray player and all that. But man, going to the movies, when the next James Bond movie comes out, I'm going to be there, even though it costs a million dollars for popcorn and there's some dude on his cell phone the whole time. You know, there's something amazing about being in that we are tribal people mm-hmm. on a profound level. We require that. And so I wanted to address that. And so what I did is I have a friend of mine who runs a coffee shop here in town and I, I convinced her to stay open late. And so the, the regular coffee customers come and go. And then it's just a bunch of people who stay for this and we just talk and there's no prayer. Wow. There's no pass in the basket. There's no singing. There's none of that. <laughs> because the thing is a lot of that is kind of weird because, you know, I, I don't imagine everybody who listens to this is Christian and that's totally cool. I don't think that God cares about brand recognition. It's not something that interests me, but I come from a Christian background. So that's my vocabulary. I don't want to offend anybody, but that's just mm-hmm. the words that I know. When I looked at what Jesus talked about, he said, prayer is intimate. That's between mm. you and God. So what are you doing, doing it out loud? Mm-hmm. In fact, he talks against that. And the only time Jesus passed a basket was when he was feeding people. Wow. And so I'm like, well, man, I don't know. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm just saying it doesn't feel right for me. Mm. So instead of that, we have these gatherings in the coffee shop and they're on like a Saturday evening, usually that kind of thing. And there's beer and wine and people want beer and wine. And it's just, it's us hanging out. And if I want to swear, I can swear. And we talk about stuff that maybe you shouldn't talk about in church and it's feels mm. so alive. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we record that and that becomes the podcast. Wow. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> I love that concept. And in, in fact, it sounds like something that I would absolutely go and do because I just like that idea of like just people coming together just to talk about 
whatever it might be. And whatever the topic of the day is, whatever kind of spiritual or even non-spiritual things you just want to get off your chest and just have fun. 100%. Be with people. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, and as it turns out, I, you know, I love it too. And it's evolving. We're still figuring out, you know, but I didn't do it on purpose, but I realized that the word church I don't know if you know this, but it comes from the Greek. It means ecclesia and ecclesia does not mean oh, called out. <laughs> I mean, it means a community of called out people. It yeah. doesn't mean Sunday morning, a white guy stands up and talks at us and then we go have brunch. <laughs> That's not what the word means, right? It means call, a community of called out people. And that has two meanings. It means we're called to something bigger than ourselves, but it also means we call each other out. We hold each other accountable. And that's Um, something that most churches don't do, but we kind of backed into it with this little coffee shop thing. We feel like there's something bigger that we're trying to figure out. Call it love, call it inspiration, call it God. If you want, you don't have to. People tell me, well, I don't believe in a guy in the sky who sees what I'm sleeping and knows when I'm awake. I'm like, that's Santa Claus. First of all, (laughs) but I don't believe in a guy in the sky either. I think that 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 concept kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah. But to somebody who says, well, I have no concept of God. I go, that's fine. But do you love your kids? You mm. know, when you hear your favorite song, do you want to get up and dance? Are you inspired by truth and beauty and justice? Well, guess what? You believe in something bigger than yourself. I don't uh, care what you call it. Yeah. You don't have to call it anything. But yeah. the most important things of your life are things you can't prove with an equation. You know, when you fall in love with somebody and all your friends go, why do you love them? And you can't explain it. Mm -hmm. You know, like what I always say is if you were a robot, the fact that you like your favorite song would be a glitch. (laughs) Yeah. You know, think about it because you can't account for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet it's one of the most important things about you. Mm -hmm. Everything that's noble and true and honorable is beyond material, beyond logic, beyond an equation, beyond chemistry. And when you start to work on those things and ask those questions, life gets really interesting because those are the things that can't be replaced with an algorithm. You're right. Yeah. And that's where I want to live. Totally. So. Whoop. I lost. Sorry. Sorry. See, there go the algorithms. Exactly. Yeah. That was a glitch. That was a glitch. <laughs> was a glitch in the matrix. Love it. Um, so I wanted to talk more about your books here. So obviously we have Meaning Fulfilled. That was the, mm-hmm. the latest one, but you have authored several books. So yeah. Past Okay in Seven Days, So Far So Good, Branching In, which you wrote with your wife, Jenny. Uh-huh. Um, what is the vibe of each of these books? And if you could tell us a bit about each of them. Sure. Well, um, I can kind of walk backwards and pass. Okay. In seven days is like a crash course. It's a super short book. It's like, if you do do these things in a week, you can kind of like start asking important questions instead right. of asking the stupid questions. You know what I mean? Um, it, and it's super, super straightforward. I wrote that a long time ago. And so far, so good is just a lot of miscellaneous writings. And I'm proud of that, but it's not certainly not the one I would tell people, you got to get this book. It's one, if you like <laughs> what I do, you should check that one out as well. Yeah, yeah. Branching in the one I wrote with my wife, that was so much fun. This is the same person that I met when we were teenagers wow. and we just celebrated 27 years of marriage and she is my wow. best friend. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's the truth. And she's so much smarter than I am, but it's, it's one of those things where People come to us all the time. They're like, well, first of all, how do you make this work 27 years? But more than that, we have a partnership that I think people really want to know about. And we wanted to try to capture that in a book form. So what we did was we had the basic concept that sometimes people say, we well, got to branch out. 
but the basic idea is, no, you should branch in. There's something inside of you that's stronger than anything outside of you. Mm. How do you get past all the outside stuff, all the labels and prejudgments and emotional baggage and all the layers of dried on garbage that we put on ourselves through various mechanisms? How do you branch in? That was a basic assumption of the book, but we didn't write it like a book. We wrote it like a play. So if you, if you open the book, there's like, I have a line, she has a line. I have a line. She has oh, wow. a we wanted it to feel like you were part of a conversation. Like you were sitting down with us and we were talking about something. Right. And right. obviously we wrote it. I mean, it's not like we just, just talked and then we were done. We really crafted it, but we wanted it to feel like it's something you could read like a play. Right. And it's a lot right. of fun to read. And I think it, it has helped some people. So that's pretty cool. Well, I think it's something interesting that you use the term branch in, because if you think about a tree, this is just an observation, but if you think about a tree and if you look at the roots, the roots are almost like mirror images of the branches out. So branching in is almost like the roots going like yeah. inside, yeah, or into the earth. Yeah. I love that. And you know what? I, I think that's a really good uh, insight because I think that a lot of what we do in modern life has to do with making sure the branches up top are really big, but there's no root system. Mm -hmm. So the slightest breeze comes, you know, and, and there's nothing happening there. There's all, no way to get nutrients anyway. You know, you could just beat that <laughs> metaphor to death, but there's something really powerful about going, you know what? I need to have a root structure here. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Now, there's something you said in a blog post I wanted you to expound on a little bit. I think it was uh, 622, uh, that's June. I don't know why I said 622. Uh, <laughs> but you said, I believe uh, you were made out of something wonderful. It is downright disrespectful to live uh, with anything less than wonder. Your life, time, at, and attention, and talent are not brittle. They are not meant to be hidden under glass or encased in carbonite. You are braver <laughs> than that. Uh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank How you. How do you define wonder and like what fills you with wonder? Well, that's, that is at the core of everything that I try to do. Everybody has these moments in life. And I think a lot of people can be closed off to them and maybe, maybe it takes some archeology, span but they're there. Everybody has these moments in life where they go, wow. Wonder is those moments when, when you're doing that thing you're doing, you lose track of time. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're that's a great test if something's important. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, do you forget what time it is when you're doing it? Do you have to be reminded that you need to go get dinner when you're doing that thing? Mm. Or are you watching the clock, man? That's how you know. Wonder is that thing that you were really good at when you were a little kid. Mm -hmm. That adults wow. tend to lose the ability to do. But you did it once, so you could do it again. Wonder is those, those things that you just go, man, this is so big or important those moments when you're you're moved to tears by something that's just because it's beautiful hmm. you know that's what wonder is and the reason that that feels good and this is the thing that i really want people to understand i think so often we're told that you're basically a sinner you know you hear that from church but you know what if you go to a self-help book the first half of the self-help book is often you need to understand you're wrong about this one thing you're wrong about this assumption. You know, it, it, a lot of it is the same formula. If I can make you feel wrong and tell you that I've got what's right, then you'll come to me and buy what I sell. Wow. And in fact, that's every commercial. You're still using a three blade razor. You need the one with 27 blades. It's, <laughs> it's everything. There's this essential formula of if I can convince you of your wrongness and convince you of my rightness, we can, mm. you, you will continue to follow me forever. But wow. that is such garbage. Because yeah. the truth about you is you are already good at this. Mm. The reason that you have wow moments is because you have something in common 
with something wonderful. Think about it. If you don't have anything in common with it, it wouldn't have a foothold in you. It would just pass you by. But the fact that beauty inspires you means there's something beautiful in you. Wow. Wonder is when that thing in you connects with something outside of you. And that connection is what you feel when you say, wow. See, I just, I, I got a flash from like, like two weeks ago, I was in San Francisco in Golden Gate Park. And I was just like walking around with my dog and walked out to the beach, like right from the forest, essentially. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, granted, I was on mushrooms to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> well, you know, at the same time, it was like, wow, that was like, it was just, it blew my mind because it was just so beautiful. Well, you know, I think that, I think that it's, it's important to take those moments wherever you find them and however you get there long as you're not hurting anybody i think there's something really beautiful about doing what you need to do to get to that place where you are working on those kinds of questions and those kinds of experiences and like i said before for a lot of people they're buried deep because we're so bad at asking for what we want yeah you oh, know yeah. we're so bad one of the things i talk about in in my book is you can tell something's important because when you give it you get more of it Love is a great example. You give love, you get more love, wow. right? Honor, truth, beauty, inspiration, everything important. When you give it, you get more of. And friendship is one of those things. When you were a little kid, mm -hmm. best friends was an easy concept. Hey, we both like Spider-Man, best friends. <laughs> no problem. We're both on the swing set at the same time, best friends. Adults have such weird rules and standards about who is allowed to be your friend. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody at the grocery store who you also see at work, you don't even know what to do with them. Because like, oh, oh, God ran out of extras. You're not supposed to be here in this story in mm. my life. I don't even know how to talk <laughs> to you right now. We're so bad at it. But the yeah. thing is, I think that adults in this culture are trained to invest in things that when you give them, they wear out. Mm. But kids, we instinctively know to invest in things that when you give them, they increase. Wow. And so something about leaning towards that will make you feel like a better person. Yeah. So ask yourself this thing, if I, if I give it, does it, do I get more? Do I get less? Wow. Yeah. I have a personal question actually here. So okay. like you, you've traveled around quite a bit and, and stuff. And I, this is just something that was like in the back of my mind, like a few minutes ago, but what are some of you like your most like uh, wow moments that you've had while traveling around or speaking with people? Well, there's a lot of little moments when you know, you connect with somebody there's moments when that are really, really positive, you know, when you hear something and, and I've got a long story that, that I might tell you some other time, but, but um, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I'll give, I'll give you a, a negative, a real quick negative first. Okay. When I was doing computer stuff, they flew me out to San Francisco and I stayed in a hotel in union square and I'd never been in a big city really before. Mm. It just, you know, it was one of those things yeah. pretty sheltered, you know, and I had to walk across Union Square and get the BART station. And so it was like everything that a person who has no city knowledge is afraid of. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I going to get mugged? You know, I was really disconnected from any sense of security about any of it. But I realized that the people who looked like they were safe were the people who looked like they were kind of irritated. Yeah. <laughs> and like the city face is the I'm a little bit PO'd. Yeah. And I'm angry about being here. And I realized that I put that face on and I realized that I felt safe in that, that, that all of a mm -hmm. sudden people weren't talking to me because I didn't look like a tourist anymore because I was angry. 
<laughs> you gotta have that tough wow, yeah. Wow. yeah right and you see it a lot i don't see it as much in san francisco but like when i go to new york there's a lot of that there you know yeah. there's that kind of a thing um a lot of it's a big city thing it's like look i don't have to care about you because i'm going to see ten thousand more people before the day is over you know that mm-hmm. kind of a thing yeah. but my wow moment on the negative side was it is so easy to decide that negativity can be your armor Hmm. And what I really got shut off from was like interacting with human beings. Hmm. What the heck is that? That was so crazy. And I realized how messed up that was and how I needed to change my mind. The positive wow experience that I want to share with you is I was in that storefront church and nobody went to it because I was 21 years old (laughs) and you don't want to go to a church. There's a 21 year old standing in front trying to tell you about your life when it's like, look, I've actually lived mine. You're just a kid. Mm-hmm. It was weird. And so it was really, really hard to get people to show up to church. And I was, I spent a lot of time mostly being bored. It was so funny. I was in this little storefront church. And my wife, Jenny was working a job as a telemarketer to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, we couldn't afford a phone in our house, but we paid for the phone in the church. Like that was priorities, right? But there was nobody mm-hmm. there. So I was just going around to places going, Hey, does anybody need any minister stuff done? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, what do you do? You know, I didn't know what to do. They got a wedding coming up that I got to yeah. officiate. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And so it's like that kind of stuff. But in that town, Tampa, Florida, there's a cancer center. There's a cancer hospital that's that's pretty renowned. And I went there and I said, hey, does there have anybody would want me to visit them or something like that? And they're like, glad you asked because our bone cancer ward is bone cancer is pretty distressing and it's immune attacking thing. And so people who have bone cancer, sometimes it's really hard to, if you love someone who has bone cancer, sometimes it's hard to even look at them. And so the, the person at the front desk said, we have people who their family don't come like they ought to. Mm. So can you come do that? I'm like, yeah. And I realized I was scared to death. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, cool. And they told me when to come back and you get on the elevator and you go up and you go in this room. And like I said, it's an immune thing. So you have to scrub up and the nurse is timing you scrubbing up. And it's the yeah. whole thing in the gown and the cap and the whole, the whole deal. And I've got my little literature that seminary gives you that you're supposed to share. And I'm like, I'm scared to death because I'm like, I wasn't worried about anything other than I'm going to do this wrong. And this feels weird. Mm-hmm. But I go in this room and I'm completely intimidated. And there's this lady who looks like, one of the ads for, you know, for 30 cents a day, you can feed these children. You know, it was like that level of like, Oh wow. You know, but she had these amazing eyes. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, these intense eyes, she said, my name is so-and-so and and I'm getting out of here. And Mm -hmm. as a minister, you're supposed to say, well, of course, with the glory of God and faith and prayer and letting blah, blah, blah. But I lost all of that training in an instant. And I said, why do you say that? (laughs) Because I was just so (laughs) completely like, out take, of it and she take it off yeah. worse right there yeah yeah i was out man i was out and she said because i know something that nobody else here knows she said they make us sit in these group therapy sessions because we're all supposed to be gonna die and all of that and we're supposed to learn how to cope with that and everybody who talks they go here's when i got my cancer and here's the effect that my cancer had on this and when my cancer happened and it's my cancer my cancer my cancer she said it's not mine it's not the truth about me i don't mm. want it it's not what i claim for myself Ooh, wow. I'm getting, oh, I know it was like, yeah. And I was so inspired by that. And the whole conversation after that, that I just, all of my literature, I put down and I just sat and talked with this human being, Yeah, you know, and I realized that I was coming back to see her almost every day because I was just so blown away by this, this powerful person. Mm -hmm. And then 
some stuff happened and I couldn't go for a couple of days. And then I came back and she was gone, wow. mm. empty bed in a room. And I said, you know, I was fearing the worst, Yeah, you know, and I said to the nurse, you know, is, is she here? And no, she went home. Like she went home <laughs> and it blew me away. And then like 10 years later, I was doing a talk at a church somewhere close to that town. And uh, I told a, a, a version of that story. And then after the service, you know, you, there's a thing where everybody shakes hands and hugs and everything. This is 10 years later. And I saw those eyes. Oh, and she said, and she looked amazing. She looked, she didn't have, she looked healthy. And it was just like, wow. I just got chills. Yeah. 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 This is like, this is how this stuff works. I mean, it's just, it was so beautiful. So long story, but hopefully a pretty good payoff. Because Great I story. I got time. Chills. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Pretty I mean, amazing. that's just the beauty. Like we talk a lot about like, you know, uh, positive affirmations, you know, positive thinking, like the power that this kind of stuff has over people. And that woman, like, like literally had that about her. Like she, she said, I'm getting out of here. Not yeah. in the sense that I'm going to be gone from my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be gone from this location because I don't belong here. And this, yeah. this, this doesn't define wow. me. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, a huge lesson in that, especially if you're you know, dealing with depression or illness or whatever it might be that, you know, that's not you like that. Yeah. That doesn't define yeah. you. That's not a part of you. That's just the thing that you're dealing with. I like exactly. when you said that which he, uh, when you said that she said, I don't claim it because you think about it, we claim a lot of stuff that we don't want. Or that we say we don't want hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's continual. So, so much to the point where it's like some people can't even take a compliment. You know, you get Ooh. to that level of, oh, you look so good today. Oh, well, this, it was cheap. Yeah. Like, but that's not what I said. You know, like we, <laughs> we don't even know. How, we're, we're so not trained to identify with healthy things, mm -hmm. with the truth. And I want to be real careful about that because you, you've already introduced this idea that, look, we are what we identify with. Mm -hmm. 100%. This is how this whole thing works. But when we talk about things like affirmations, I want to be really, really careful because one of the things that people come to me with a lot is mm -hmm. I've read all the self-help books and I know that I'm supposed to say that I'm a prosperous child of an abundant universe and everybody likes me and I'm beautiful and I don't feel beautiful and I don't feel mm -hmm. prosperous and I don't sometimes feel like that. Be, sometimes it can be empty. Yeah. Yeah. And so the affirmations just feel like a lie. Mm -hmm. And what I end up saying to people like that, and it happens a lot. So if there's somebody listening to these words now, I want you to know that if that's you, it's, it's not uncommon. It happens all the time. And what I say to people like that is look, the universe does not speak English The universe. <laughs> it's true, man. It's not because people think if I just learn the right code words, the affirmations, I get the, the secret, you know, knock to God's treehouse or whatever. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, instead the universe doesn't speak English. The universe speaks intention. So it has to do with what's true for you. Because if I say these big fancy words and they feel like a lie, then what I'm doing is I'm putting a lie out there. Mm -hmm. So it might be important to scale it back, use things that feel true for you. And maybe they're not big things. Maybe you can't say everyone loves me, but maybe you can start with there's love in my heart because I feel it when I don't experience love. I feel that disconnect. I know there's love in my heart. Mm -hmm. and start with that. And that's not huge. Maybe you're not going to cure world hunger with this next prayer session, but maybe you can feed something. Right. Start with what feels true for you. 
and put that out there and you'll find that you'll grow. I think that spirituality is low weight, high reps. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I, and at the gym, I do a lot of that. A lot yeah. of uh, uh, high reps <laughs> with the with the low weight, uh, weight too. You uh, want to get back to another quote. Uh, you said, I don't need people to agree with me. I just want to help them realize that that the yearning they uh, feel is a long a longing for meaning. Sorry, my eyes are yeah. It's all good. Uh, for connection. I want to help them follow that calling uh, to new horizons and adventures. What uh, are your horizons and, and and adventures leading you to? Well, I think in broad terms, I think the possibility of a world that works for everybody is mm. in our reach. Wow. You know, we have, I mean, obviously that's big and we just talked yeah. about scaling back, but there it is, you know, as far as what the, what the horizons are, there isn't any, there's no finish line here. Mm -hmm. This is about us getting smart enough to take care of each other better. Mm -hmm. This is about us as, as a people measuring prosperity, not by how well 1% of rich billionaires are doing by how good we can love each other, how much space we can hold for each other. You know, it's about changing some of those definitions, but like I said, it is something that we are eminently capable of doing. We don't require cold fusion in order for us to be nice. Right. <laughs> you know, seriously, yeah, you know, it's, right. it's one of those things. And I think that it has to do with really learning how to work together. One of my next projects that I'm working on has to do with the importance of tribe. And the thing that, that really got me going on that was the, the moon launch, you know, like Jeff Bezos and whatever. And the, the, mm -hmm. it's like, that's great. That's fine. we got a lot of hungry people that I'd rather that money go feed, but fine. But the thing that was interesting to me was I wasn't around for the sixties, but my sense of the 60s is when we did the space program initially, there was a really feel, a real feeling of we're all in this together and we're going to pull together and figure this out. And when you see a movie like Apollo 13, there's a room full of people solving a problem together and it's about we, right? Mm -hmm. And now our culture has morphed into this one rich guy can do it. He's Tony Stark. You know, there's this one guy <laughs> who can do it. And so there's this, this, this downplaying of the importance of togetherness and tribe in favor of somebody other than me who's cool and going to fix it. Mm. And so part of what I want to do in the short term is let's figure out how to build back a sense of family. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like we're gay, obviously, but we obviously, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we always talk about, like as as queer people, is is we talk about the importance of, um, uh, uh, not biological family, but like your chosen family. Yeah, and because a lot of like us don't really have good relationships with our our biological family, and so it's like just that's that same kind of thing. Like find your tribe. RuPaul says find your tribe. Yeah, it's, it's I. I don't know if you know anything about RuPaul, but RuPaul is <laughs> gospel for a lot of people. Oh sure. If you ain't gonna love, no, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. If you, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Like <laughs> just little bits of wisdom like that. And oh and yeah, things that you, you can just take and run. I, I love it. We got the, the, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, a masterclass app you can get. Yes. Oh, I've heard of this. And it's like she, she does a masterclass. Yeah. Yes. That was the first one that we put on. I was like, okay, I want to see what this is all about. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. She is great. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual. <laughs> wonderful tidbits of wisdom for sure. And so smart, so funny, so powerful. Yeah. But the thing is, I think the concept of family of choice mm -hmm. is, is really, really key. You know, 
I think it's beautiful to find a way to reconcile with the people you share DNA with and all that. That's great. But we know that that's not how love works. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this, just like I said a, a few minutes ago, love's not biology. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with something very, very transcendent. And it really sucks that a lot of people are not good at treating people who have some different thing, whatever it is. It sucks that, that a lot of people aren't good at embracing that. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to have to because we're growing up to the point where we realize that, that, yeah, we're all made out of the same stuff. But past that point, everybody's very different. We're working on different things. We're at different positions on the path of life. We have different concepts. We're here to do different things. And that's right. awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. It was really funny. One of the things I, I talk about in the book it has to do with judgment. And when I was running a church, we did the pride parade every year. It's really important to us uh-huh. to march in the pride parade. Um, and uh, it was really funny because I don't know if you've ever been in a parade, like, but they stay before the parade starts, they stage you. So like, here's this float and then in the parking lot, and then there's this float and everybody gather up. And then when it's time to go, everybody kind of, kind of filters out, but they had us in the staging area right behind uh, the sex workers rights float. And, (laughs) you know, I I don't care, whatever, but they knew we were a church. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, Oh, here they are. What are they doing here? And it was such (laughs) a wonderful, I loved it because it was like, Oh, being judged. This is like a tiny, the tiniest <laughs> obviously it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's the same thing. Cause it's not, you know, this was for 10 minutes, but being judged is like, okay, cool. I get it. You know, it was yeah. so awesome, but I found myself like overcompensating and trying to show that, you know, but it's like, you can't do that. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it has to be something that's a little bit more natural. And you get to the place where you're like, oh, wow, we're all just marching together. Yeah. Mm. And there was something really cool about getting over the judge judge experience and just kind of <laughs> be in there. I loved it. I loved I it. I love that. I love that a lot though. Um, so we have one final question for you before we let you go. Um, and we asked all of our guests this, but what have you manifested lately? Well, beyond this conversation we're having, <laughs> and this is, this is really, this is really a, a wonderful moment here. I'm, I'm really grateful to, to be here with you. But I think that that one of the things that that has come up for me is it, it's been a beautiful uh, unfolding of of my family because my wife and I got started very very young and at the beginning we moved we lived with my folks and stuff like that so we were never alone in the house together we had kids really mm. early and all that and our youngest is twenty three and he just moved out mm. and so talking about a family that's beyond. Uh, proximity. Mm-hmm. It's been an amazing thing. I mean, it's so beautiful to love somebody when they're not in the room with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the opposite of out of sight, out of mind, right? And it's been a really yeah. weird thing. My wife and I are like living together. You know, it's like mm. you do what you're supposed to do at the beginning of a relationship. It's super cool. But the idea of going, wow, I can still just be crazy about this person, my son and my daughter who moved out a few years before that, even if they're not around, there's, that's really cool. And manifesting a feeling of like, we're there, the oneness is still there is nice. really, really nice. Totally. It's, it's, it's nice. Totally. Well, where can we, uh, where can our listeners find you at? 
Well, uh, I'm on a lot of episodes of America's Most Wanted. If you know, just <laughs> perfect, same, same. <laughs> Nobody wants me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, my website is way past okay. That's W A Y P A S T O K A Y. Way past okay.com is where you can find links to my book and the podcast and the YouTube movies. And t- I talked about in the blog post and everything else. And mm-hmm. I'm at way past okay on Instagram and Twitter. I'm really, really active on Instagram, especially. So I'd love for people to come find me. And like I said, reach out, let me know how you're doing and what you want to ask about, because I love the questions. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going to follow you. Me too. Please do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Dieter, for joining us today. Thank you. It was a a pleasure, really. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. You as well. I don't think that's what zinc does to to you. Anywho, <laughs> I want to thank our guest today, Dieter, for joining us. Thank you, was, thank you, thank, thank you. you. It was a really great conversation, right? Um, and as every episode, we end things off with a quote. And you have our quote this week. I do have a quote. I oh, I thought we were doing the we do the quote before the gratitude list. I forgot. Yep. Uh, this uh, quote comes from Huang Po. It is the foolish reject what they see, not what they think. The wise reject what they think, not what they see. I like that. So believe in. in- I want to wait. Hold on. The foolish reject what they see, not what they. Th- okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I think this, so it has to be right. Yeah. Reject what they think, because even like your mind can play tricks on you. It can. Boom. That's a Ghetto Boy song. Your mind, my mind is playing tricks on me. Thanks, Huang Po. Thanks. And every week we do our gratitude list, where we say three things that we're grateful for each week. What you grateful for? I'm uh, grateful for Scott. <laughs> I bet. Oh boy, I might have to get rid of him. Truly, <laughs> you've been through some things. You've been through some things. Um, I'm grateful for uh, seeing my friend later on. Uh, I'm gonna be awake for this, but I'm gonna go home and maybe try a nap or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, my friend Kyle Wonders performing in Hollywood and, uh, it'll be nice to get out and hang out and see some live music and performances. Um, what else am I grateful for? I'm grateful for, oh, mom and I are going to Vegas. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for a, a, a Vegas vacation next month. Ooh. Yeah. Vacation. I was, I was trying to make a, a... vacation. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> what are you grateful for this week? Um, I'm grateful for a couple of times this week. I've run, I've jogged seven miles again. Mm. So I'm really, really grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for lately. I've had twinges of be it depression or be it like, you know, that, that attitude I get where life's not fair. This isn't fair. Mm-hmm. But I think I've had tools this week to reel that in and bring it back to positivity really yeah. early, a lot earlier yeah. uh, than I even usually, than I usually do. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, 
And I'm grateful for, I don't know if I used this last week, but for this new community of artists, I'm starting to see people's shows. They're starting to see mine. Yeah. And it is just, I did use this last week, so my apologies, but I'm still grateful for all these artists I'm starting to see and hang out with and go to their shows and vice versa. It's Mm. just amazing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we let you guys go, BT Dubs, there's two podcasts that I did an interview for. One coming out tarot with Seth. And I did one called um, uh, Hey, Remember Us. Um, you can find those on my website. Website. Um, uh, they're both very different. The first one coming on tarot, we're talking about tarot and stuff. It's very interesting, very cool. I love that conversation. And then number two, uh, Hey, Remember Us is all about talking about being um, HIV positive and, and dealing with that and all the stuff that was going on. Very important conversations. Check them out if you can. Um, and I'm grateful for those uh, as well, for those conversations. Nice. Yeah. Have you noticed we've said two a lot? Because I've done this a bunch every time we've said two. I think we've said two a lot during this episode. Two, two, two. Two, two. What is two? Intuition? Intuition. Or is it love? Love? I don't know. Oh, two, two, two. I got you. Um, we have social media. Yeah, we do. We do. I'm, uh... oh my God. <laughs> do it. Can you do it? Yes. So uh, we have an Instagram. Our Instagram is at a cosmic journey pod. We have Twitter. Uh, it's at a cosmic journey pod. J U J O U R N. And why did we have to shorten it to uh, journey? Because we couldn't afford the E Y. We could not. On all your uh, social media platforms, I am J Maceo Music. That's J dot Maceo Music. And I'm at Demetri Wild on all the things. <laughs> On all the things. We have a Facebook group, what's it called? Starseed Central. Yeah, it is. You can share your memes, suggest cosmic news articles, and interact with us directly. Direct. We still don't have anybody on there, so please join. Join us, baby. We uh, have YouTube. Yeah, we do. These videos, you can find all our cosmic news, our interview videos, and also Jay's Cosmic Insights in Fine. video format. Yeah. So rate, share, subscribe, do all that. And shove it up your butt. Yeah. <laughs> It feels good too. Yes, all the time. <laughs> so, anyways, I think that's everything. So, thanks for listening. And as always, Godspeed, Godspeed Star Seeds. Seeds. Store Seeds. Store. Mm-hmm.